Hello and welcome to The Jerick Show on this very special Thanksgiving edition. Uh, many of my American colleagues are off being thankful for things. Uh, Eric is not thankful for anything. So he is here with us today. Oh my God, that face, Eric. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm supposed to be eating right now. It's Thanksgiving. It's a day full of eating. We are thankful we have a large refrigerator to fit all the food in. You look like you haven't missed a meal in a while, so it's all good. It's called practice. It's training, okay? This is America's day to shine in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, the country that brings you things like hot dog eating competitions and man versus food. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, a, and a restaurant chain called The Heart Attack. Uh, the Heart Attack Grill. Grill, yes. Yeah, yeah. And somebody actually, the, their spokesperson actually had a heart attack. I don't know if you saw that or not. Um, but their their spokesperson actually died of a heart attack. So, you know, it's kind of telling. Quite ironic. It's like it's like when the celeb endorsing uh, a tobacco brand dies of cancer. It's... Right, right. Yeah, I think the Marlboro man died of cancer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, a little irony there. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta I love know. it, man. So yeah. what do we got going for us today, Javad? So we have something from your neck of your the woods. You, you brought this to my attention. Something about your government being extremely oppressive not wanting you to sing in your own house. And hearing your voice, I know that for you, that's a blessing. But what do you make of this in California? Yeah, well, first I want to go with your pun of my neck of the woods, knowing that I have a lot of, uh, you know, from the car wreck. I just, I think you did that on purpose. Uh, so, no, this one is one that I saw um, that, that's made a little bit of a rounds on Facebook, um, especially with some of the people that are, you know, uh, more on the conservative side. Um, and honestly, there's some interesting things. So this is the California Department of Health giving direction for people for Thanksgiving. And some of it is recommendations, but some of it is also requirement. And the interesting thing is this applies whether you're in your own home or not, right? So there's no differentiation. There is some talk about in public places, certain things are requirements, um, but this actually applies. And the key one on here that really kind of got me is, the government is prohibiting people from singing in their own home over this holiday. And they're also requiring mask wearing in your own home. And I thought this was interesting because I kind of get it. You know, uh, the idea is that singing, you're, you're, you're actually, you're taking deeper breaths or something. You know, the, the stuff's coming from deeper within your chest and you're probably shedding more virus if you haven't. I get it from that point. But from the the government oversight standpoint, for them to be telling people that they are not allowed to sing in their homes or, you know, even that they have to wear masks in their own homes during this uh, is a very uh, un-American sort of angle, right? So a lot of Americans, you know, we like our freedom. Um, it, it's interesting to see that. Well, well, look. So let's 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 break this down. You you put it up, and I know you guys are very sensitive about your freedom. So I'll try my best to be sensitive because I have had sensitivity training since our last <laughs> meeting. <laughs> so it's a singing, chanting, uh, physical exertion, uh, whatever, significant increases the risk of COVID tra uh, nineteen transmission. Yeah. Um, and because it releases droplets into the air, because of this. Singing, chanting, shouting, cheering, and similar activities are strongly discouraged in the outdoor settings. Yeah. But they yeah. do occur, the following rules apply. 
people who are singing should wear face masks. Uh, people who aren't singing, they should uh, maintain physical distance beyond six feet. Yeah. People who are singing are strongly encouraged to do it quietly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all below the volume of a normal speaking voice. So <laughs> yep, yep. And the big one is C down there. It's it's the C. Singing, yep. chanting, shouting, or cheering, playing of wind instruments, and similar activities are not permitted in indoor gatherings. So everyone has this uh, this picture of the police, you know, with their ear to the window at the front of your door, getting ready to knock it down, you know, because somebody is singing. Um, or perhaps chanting loudly. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and for for us here in America, this is not only a day of food, but it's also a day of football. And so to tell, you know, and we're talking about the real football here with the egg-shaped ball. Um, <laughs> so, right. I mean, can you imagine, though, telling people that they're having a gathering to watch your, your football slash soccer and telling everybody they must remain quiet and, I mean, how do you expect that to be successful? Well, well I think there's, there's a few things there. So I, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong in any of this, unlike you, uh, sensitive American friend. But, you know, it's, A, it's, let's look at the intent here, is to try and keep people safe. Yeah. So, so I don't think the heart is in, in the wrong place. Secondly, this is related to, to gatherings where you're meeting people from outside of your immediate family or outside your bubble. So it's not that you and your wife and kids can't sit and sing and yell and chant. It's if you're inviting the boys around and all of you are getting together and that's where the, the danger is. Or, so, or or my in-laws, like my grandparents or her grandparents yeah. or whatever. And, and I, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, I do agree with you that it's, it's something that should be a recommendation. I don't see how this is enforceable or how they would go about enforcing it, which... I think you're you're right. It, it kind of like is a is a gray gray area then. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you think about it, you're right. It's all about trying to, you know, reduce the spread of this disease, right? And it's like you know, some people even in the midst of this pandemic had things like weddings at their house. I mean, that's just madness, right there. You know, and, and you know they're trying to eliminate that and maybe give people guidance when they don't think correctly about things to do in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah, especially for America, this is this is very much kind of one of those sensitive subjects that we see. And we're very sensitive here to the government oversight, right? That's why we threw you all out of our country. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it kind of ties into the next thing where I've seen people get super spun up as well in the uh, in the Facebooks. And this one I saw a couple of times yesterday and people were losing their minds over this one. And this is CDC guidance and it's talking about um, implementing a shielding approach and all this. And, and some of the things it's talking about here, like if you look here at the neighborhood level, a designated shelter slash group of shelters, max five to 10 households within a camper area where high risk members are grouped together. Neighbors swap households to accommodate high risk individuals. And I will tell you right now that I saw people lose their mind. This is the government controlling us. This is blah, 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 blah. The thing about this is, again, this is steps being taken to control the spread of COVID. Um, but it's a very, again, sensitive topic, which is why it's so good for misinformation, uh, obviously. If you go back up to the title there, um, Javad, 
The title of this is Interim Operational Considerations for Implementing the Shielding Approach to Prevent COVID-19 Infections in Humanitarian Settings. It is a CDC thing, but the context is uh, humanitarian settings. So they're talking about things like refugee camps and stuff like that. This is not coming through neighborhoods and telling people, no, you're going to share a home with this person now. But it surprises me how um, sensitive people are to this and they want to see some of this conspiracy type stuff. And, 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 you know, at first glance, if you don't pay attention to what they're talking about in the context, I can see why people get upset. But again, great material for misinformation and to get people upset. What do you think about? I think, you know, this is great. I'm going to take this guidance. I'm going to round up my wife uh, all the wives down the neighborhood, stick them all in the garage somewhere in the shed in the garden, say, look, there's a CDC. We're having to put all the high-risk individuals in one place. We're only doing it because we love you. Right, right. <laughs> no, um, you know, it, this is a very interesting time emotionally for people. And I think right now, especially as we're entering the second wave, um, people are, and I know it's affected me, people are looking at this and it's almost depressing to look at this and go, man, we tried to do so much the first time, and now here we are again looking at all this kind of stuff. It makes people very, very sensitive to that. It's such a hot topic. And again, so easy to do misinformation with or um, social engineering with. I mean, these are all things that get emotional. And and like I've said a million times before, any email, uh, text message, or you know, phone call that elicits an emotional response, and in this case, even social media messaging, you have to be really careful and you have to search that stuff out because our emotions make us not do well at critical thinking. Well, yeah, and, and this is a classic case of that where you take something that's true. So this is a, a true document and it is on the official CDC website. Yep. There's nothing untrue about that. And these are the guidelines, yes. But if you just willingly omit the part where this does not apply to um, the general population and it's only for refugees or camps and, you know, displaced populations, um, then that's that misinformation can be so much more powerful than putting out something that's blatantly false because that's easily disproved. And and this is one of those cases where... Uh, I, I think this, these are the, the, the misinformation campaigns that we really, really need to be very careful about because it takes something that's true, valid, but it's just taken out of context or missing a vital bit of context there uh, to, to make sense of it. Yeah. But, um, but enough of your, your government and their oppressive regimes. Let's talk a bit about some of your biggest companies and their oppressive yeah. regimes. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is this doesn't really just apply to government, but actually, you know, when it comes to privacy and things like that and what, what corporations are doing too, it's a very sensitive subject here. It is, yeah. And so Vice published this this report, um, this, this post a few days ago um, about Amazon and how their surveillance of labor and environmental groups and uh, what have you and it's a it's a long thing but they they talk about how they closely uh, monitor uh, employees and look for what they do some of it is about you know um, you know looking at, at thefts from warehouse but it, it's also a lot of it's down to their um, any activist activity uh, and what they're doing so it's uh, it, it's 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 a it's a long report it's worthwhile reading but I'd also say that, again, it's uh, 
it's one of those topics that it's easy to get emotional about. It's easy, like you read this and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, look at this, rich, richest, one of the richest companies in the world with the richest uh, CEO billionaire who, who's there and, and, and look how inhumanely they're, they're treating their workers and everything. But many of this is standard practice. When you look at, say, like oil and gas, do you think they don't vet to see if any of their employees work for Greenpeace? Because right. what, what's it like? Do you want environmentalists working on a rig who might potentially sabotage it for 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 some reason? Or you know, there, there's all sorts of background checks and and monitoring that a lot of these companies do, and they've been doing it for a long time. I, I think what's different is the um, the sheer power and scale that some of these big companies have, and how many people are dependent on it, and the way they treat them. I mean, yeah. that, that's kind of a, a concern. But uh, I don't know. You, you you guys don't really have much much privacy offered by way of employers over there in the US as we do over here in, in the UK and Europe. So um, what, what do you make of it? Yeah, and, and that's an interesting thing because we're all about, you know, uh, government staying out of things uh, and all that over here. And yet you guys have stronger privacy laws, which which I think is it just kind of blows my mind, right? Um, we're kind of getting there, but we're getting there a little bit slowly, I think. Um, and I do think it's interesting because, you know, kind of like you mentioned, if you're Tyson Chicken, which is a major chicken manufacturer here, um, you're probably not going to be hiring people that that are associated with PETA, right? The people for ethical treatment of animals. You yeah. don't know what they're going to do. And, and this is kind of an insider threat thing. Now, in the same breath, you know, people have their, their freedom to pose their, uh, you know, their thoughts and things like that, especially here. We have our First Amendment. Um, and so how does that become kind of a conflict of interest? And can people say, well, yes, I do work for this radical group. However, or, you know, I'm, I'm associated with this radical group. However, in your case, I'm fine with the chickens being penned up in these little areas. And, you know, where do you where do you kind of draw that line and say, well, I was discriminated against because of this? And really, a lot of that ties into the stuff that you put out on social media, um, you know, the stuff that you put out there in public. Um, maybe we need to think a little bit more about what we put out in public, okay? Um, because we've seen time and time again where older posts and things like that have come back and bit people right square oh. on the butt, right? Kevin uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, over and over again, we see this sort of thing going on. So it's a key thing about privacy. Now, when it comes to employers and things like that, it is really a gray area. And myself, I worked for the government for quite some time. And so anything I did on the government computers was obviously traced, tracked, places I went on the internet, all that kind of stuff. It was a known thing. Um, they even could monitor phone calls. And I did know some people that were in that group that did the monitoring um, when they were in uh, like a desert storm sort of stuff. And one of the interesting things they said in that, and I'm probably giving away something ooh, is, you know, if somebody uh, got on the phone with, say, their wife or girlfriend, and it was immediately apparent that this was a private call, then they would have to end the monitoring. Okay. And so, you know, you, you start up with, hey, honey, what are you wearing tonight? You know, and then they have to end monitoring and you're like, okay, so here's the plan. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but but even in those cases, there had to be some rules around the the personal involvement in that and personal privacy. So very, it's a, it's a very interesting topic. There's so many facets to it to look at, mm. um, you know, and, and there's pros and cons to every side. It, it is very, very interesting. It is, it is. 
And, and, and I think there's two, two aspects that come to mind. One is the, the sheer scale and volume at which we can gather this data now. Um, and Google, for a long time, they've argued, and I might be recording this wrong, but uh, say like contextual ads based on your emails, uh, they say it's fine because it's just a machine looking at it. And because an individual hasn't read it or has access to it, it's not an invasion of your privacy because it's just a machine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, there, there's that. The, the second thing is, and this ties into the, the, the next part, I think it, it makes a good segue, is that it's one thing and uh, a company gathering all of this data and like social media companies we've seen, they gather all the data and a lot of time it's for their own monetary benefit. So it's give you better targeted ads, get you to buy stuff, influence your thinking, yeah. whatever, uh, or keep you on their platform for longer. Uh, and, and that's fine. Um, because for all their vices, they have become pretty good at keeping that information for themselves and securing it because they know that's that's really what their business value is. Like Cambridge Analytica. Uh, exactly, exactly. Like Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> exactly like it. I mean, I mean, like Facebook, they know. Uh, they, they, because, they, you know, they sell their advertising space on the basis that advertisers can really be specific. They can go in like a sniper and out of all the billions of users that are on there, they, they can find those 50 people that are definitely going to, that they can appeal to with their product. So, so there's that. The, the problem is like, what happens when they start selling that data to someone else with authority over you, i.e. your employer? And uh, this brings us on to Microsoft, which has released a, a new... Um, set of features in Microsoft 365 called uh, productivity scores. Yeah, yeah. Features or product, it's hard to tell what, what I exactly know, I know. It's all, it's all just the cloud. So this is kind of like what it looks like, like how long you spent in communication, meeting, content collaboration, whatever. Uh, there's this good good tweet thread by Wolfie Crystal. Wolfie is such a cool name if that's his real name. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, there, there, there's like links to everything and what you can do, you can basically break it down into very specific individual stuff. You can opt out uh, to anonymize it, but by default, it's set as on. It gives you really good things. And, and I have two issues with this, two really big issues with this uh, kind of approach. Uh, firstly, you're trying to address a manager human problem with technology. And we see that happen all the time. A manager is someone who's put in charge of, of people and it's their responsibility to create a good environment, to give them the support and the tools they need to help them achieve the outcomes that, that are set for them. Yeah, just saying, you know, this is such a 1970s way of thinking that I pay you so you must sit in front of the computer for eight hours a day. You know, I can sit in front of a computer for eight hours a day. It doesn't mean I'm going to be effective, but if you just want to see me sitting there, then okay, I can do that. Right. But me tasks to do and say complete this many calls or this many emails or write this much reports i can do that but then don't measure me by how long it takes me to do that if that's your target i will achieve it whether it takes me one hour or 18 hours that that's uh, regardless so so that's number one i think using technology to solve human problems is is always a big mistake and and secondly you're giving an awfully an awful lot of powerful data in the hands of people who aren't necessarily qualified to um, to handle it. 
it's a bit like a few years ago, me and my friend Tom Langford, we went um, in, we were in Vegas for Black Hat and we went down to the shooting range. Uh, like first time, like, you know, we, we, we took out the, the SAS package and they had like all these guns and like, you know, from a pistol all the way up. And uh, the, and, and obviously, you know, that's like me with a fully automatic gun, completely novice, untrained, need the guy on my with his hand on my shoulder all the time saying keep it pointed keep the shouty end pointed that way <laughs> you know don't put your finger on the trigger you know all that kind of stuff and i think this is the problem with with this you putting all of this power into the hands of managers who might not necessarily be trained in knowing how to best deal with that data how to maintain it and what to do with it so you know we i mean you've probably worked for some bad managers in your time Imagine one of them getting hold of this and saying, Eric Crone, you only spent, you know, three hours on, on this yesterday and you spent two hours on the phone. What were you doing on the phone? Um, I think it can go down a really nasty rabbit hole where you give too much power to people who can then do whatever they want willy-nilly with it. End of rant. Yeah, I mean, I, I've worked for some interesting places. I've worked in call centers, right, where they track how long you're on the call, uh, the time between calls. And, and interestingly enough, like I worked for Microsoft for a little while and they were great, right? They were all about resolving the customer issue when it came in. And, and they didn't, while they cared about how long you spent, they didn't, it wasn't like they were getting paid for per call, right? So if we took a couple of steps and went through things uh, front to back to get the issue resolved, it was great. Now, Microsoft pulled out and ended up replacing themselves essentially with a, a third party, right? A contracting party. And the whole mentality changed there to where it was time between calls, time on the calls. You would tell the people, they'd call up and they'd say, okay, you know, da, 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 da. You'd give them something to do and then get them off the phone so they would call back later, right? So the statistics behind this is where things break down. So if Microsoft is looking at this and essentially what you just showed us on there for the benefit of those in the podcast is, you know, they're actually giving you statistics on how your people are working, right? And it's measuring these things, number of emails per day, blah, 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 blah. The problem is that doesn't necessarily equate to success. And if it doesn't already align with your KPIs and things like that, now you're giving managers something that they're gonna try to make their own story out of, right? So as a salesperson, am I better off, you know, making 50 emails per day that are just crap to whoever I, I you know, happen to have a list for, or am I better off doing 10 that are focused that get that person person's attention and get them to talk to me, right? And so it's it, it can be a numbers game. It can be, but that's got to align with your organization's culture and KPIs. And so now what we've done is we have this cool tool that some of these people are going to be trying to wedge a, you know, a square peg into a round hole because, oh, look, I can measure this even though it doesn't matter. Now I'm going to call it this. And I think that's kind of the dangerous approach. The thing that bothers me on this is it's enabled by default. It's not something you go and enable in person. And not only that, does the person on the other side know they're being monitored at this level, right? And, and I told you before, this is kind of the stuff that they make the mouse jigglers for, you know, the things that just yeah. shake your mouse every <laughs> while to, to show that there's activity going on. I mean, that's why things like this exist. And, it, it, and it, I'm a that. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, it's almost poisonous um, at some point in time to a culture. If you know, if 
you're trying to build a reasonable place to work. Nobody likes that kind of oversight. So no, no, and you're right. What what ends up happening is you force people to start gaming the system, and they're more focused on gaming the system than they are in doing their job, and that impacts culture overall. Yeah, you know, here with with where we work, we have our goals, we have our things that we drive for. Um, but it's something that we kind of come up with ourselves. We understand the importance to it. It aligns with other things. There's real reasons for it. And so, you know, in, in many cases, uh, it's not completely unimportant. Um, and so it's not as bad for me, even though I'm, I'm never one that likes putting numbers to things, right? Because there's always so much gray area. It's not nearly as bad as if somebody just came down and commanded, thou shalt send 10 emails per day or else. Yeah. You know? So very different thing. Very, very different thing. So, so not only has this been a, a really weird conversation so far in that we've gone quite deep, but we're actually agreeing on something, which is really scary end of day's time. So let's try and wrap up on, on a very lighthearted and back to normal kind of story. And that happened in Australia where someone broke into an Aussie hedge fund. They compromised it. Can you guess how they got in? No idea. It certainly wouldn't be like fishing or something like that. Um, right? so, <laughs> so they got in via a fake Zoom invite um so they sent a zoom invite the person clicked on it didn't connect i don't know whether they connect to a call or not but in the background it downloaded some malware and we get so many of these zoom invites and they appear in our calendar and how many times a day do you like oh there's a there's a meeting i didn't remember i had that and then you quickly go to join it um hoping that it's not a webinar that you have to present because you have no idea where the slides are but um it's it's an interesting one because the the hacker got in they sent off a bunch of fake invoices then to all the people that controlled the 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 money within the thing and they the firm recovered most of the money so they only lost about 800 grand but the problem is that um yes there it is i was looking for where it was on the on the story i'm going to read the story um after they um, they suffered that breach, they, they reported it, they only lost 800 grand, but one of their biggest clients withdrew all of their funds from it because they lost confidence in them. And so uh, the, the investment firm was forced to close as a result. So the hype is real, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a perfect example of where the losses were... I don't want to say minimal because 800K is 800K, right? Um, but the losses were minimal compared to the fallout from the reputational damage, um, where in case their major uh, investor essentially said, no, we're out of here. So ultimately, while that money didn't go to the scammer, it ended in the demise of the, the organization, of the company. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we've talked many, many times about how important it is with the reputation and how long it takes to build a reputation and how quickly it can be destroyed just by something like this. And this is a, a great example of that. I love the zoom angle because, uh, you know, not to bring it back to the company much, but, uh, our company sent out a bunch of these early on in this that were a, uh, it was a, a simulated phishing email that was kind of like, you have people waiting in your zoom meeting, you know? And so to your point, 
where you you've got these things going on all the time. Hey, I just I mean, I just had a reminder pop up for something that I forgot I have today. I don't know. It's I don't even know what it is, but it's happening in like 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we get these things all the, all the time and we're inundated with it. We become comfortable with it. And then you pop something in like that and you're like, what, what is that? And so what do you do? You click on it, you go for it. And, and in this case, again, the reputational damage of this attack was actually worse than the monetary losses. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that you don't have to worry about. Cause even if you suffered a big breach, your reputation can't get any lower than what it already is. You know, I actively manage my reputation. Good, good, good. <laughs> you know how it's like uh, people, uh, there's they, those um, data scramble, like they, they'll, I can't remember what it's called, but you download it and it and it makes, fires off random queries on your browser. So that yeah. <laughs> can't track you. So you, you just like salt, salt the earth and, you know, burn it to the ground. Uh, you have such a bad reputation that no one's like, yeah, we, co we can't do any worse than that. So I like it. With that note, um, it is Thanksgiving for you. What are you thankful for? I am thankful for... Oh, we seem to have lost Eric Crone there. I'm really sorry. But what he was saying, I can't hear him in my ear because uh, he, he's lost it on, on, on audio, is that he's thankful for having me in his life. Oh, Eric, that is so kind of you. Until next time, folks, uh, stay secure, my friends.